All right, so um, my topic is which letter are you? And um, I was reading through Revelation, um, and we will be reading through Revelation, Revelation 2 and 3 here in just a few moments. Um, so you can go ahead and get ready for that. But I was reading through this um, just in my normal um, chapter reading uh, daily, and I'd gotten probably into maybe chapter 5 or 6, and um, pastor had already asked me to to speak tonight, and, and he, God was just like, the churches. He kept saying the churches, and they kept bringing in my mind. And I'm like, well, what about the churches? What is it that you want me to, to figure out? And what I kept hearing was, okay, what what church are you? What what are you doing? What is in the church? What's going on? The churches, the churches. And I kept trying to figure out, okay, what is it that you're wanting me to get? And Pastor um, asked me last week, he's like, I need your topic. And I'm like, okay, but I don't have it yet. <laughs> I don't know what the title is. And I kept trying to figure it out, figure it out. And he texted me last Thursday and he's like, I need your topic. And in my head, when I saw that text, I'm like, I don't have it. <laughs> Um, it's coming I just don't know yet so and then all of a sudden I'm at work and and God says which letter are you so I said okay I need to go back and I need to really focus on these letters so when I saw the graphic I was like see I know that that's what God wanted me to talk about because that's exactly what was in my head I just didn't know how to get it out so um for a little background, John was John wrote the letters to the churches, and he was given a vision, and he wrote these letters to the churches based on the revelation that he got from God when he was um, receiving these receiving these visions. Um, so, just to be mindful of the time, I'm going to try and get through these um, these letters and kind of get what or let you know what I was getting out of what God was trying to say to them then and what he's trying to say to us now. Um, so in Revelation chapter 2, um, we're going to start with the, um, the message to the, to the church in Ephesus. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, so your, your version may be a little different. Um, but the first one says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me, or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen from your first love. Turn back to me again and work as you did at first. If you don't, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. And I'll stop there because I wanted to go over a couple of the key points that I thought were important in the, in the Ephesus letter. So what God said was, is that he sees them working hard. He sees them being patient. He sees them resisting the false teachings. But his complaint with them was he, that they don't love the Lord or, e or each other as they did before. You have fallen from your first love. So in this, this made me think about, okay, what has become more important to us? 
What has become more important? Distractions? What type of distractions are we letting in that are keeping us from focusing on the things that we're supposed to do, which first and foremost is love thy neighbor, love Jesus, right? And I thought about how, and it mentions this in here, when um, it says, well, let me go back and just so I can make sure that I get it. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. And I want you to think about relationships. When you get into a new relationship, you are all about that person, right? But then the newness wears off, and it becomes routine. It becomes mundane. It becomes just, oh, well, it's just that person again. Not you, baby, I love you, but, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? So the newness wears off, and that shine kind of, it, it just kind of gets routine and, and, and dull, and it's, it's mundane and ordinary. But that's not how we're supposed to be with God. That's not ever how it's supposed to be, right? So there are a lot of things that get in the way, distractions, um, and what we place before God. All right, so I'm going to come back and touch on some of these later, but again, just for, for everyone's time, um, we're going to go on to the message to the church in Smyrna. And that one will start at verse 8. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who died and is alive. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the slander of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they really aren't because theirs is a synagogue of Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I'm going to repeat that one again. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison and put you to the test. You will be persecuted for 10 days. Remain faithful even when facing death, and I will give you the crown of life. And I'm going to stop there. So he talked in Smyrna about he saw that they were suffering and that they had poverty. And he gave them a warning that they were about to be tested. And he told them to remain faithful. This one stood out to me because it, it just reminds me that nobody ever said this walk would be easy. And it is not. It is a daily test, and we were on the way to church tonight, and we were driving over here, and we heard Ryder's favorite praise song, This Means War. And I tell you what, if there was ever a song that is true, it's that. But we have some good news in this because it says, you will be persecuted for 10 days, which means to me that there is a finite period of time. There's going to be a beginning to it, and there's going to be an end right? So this is not forever. The only thing that is forever is God. So it's going to be a short period of time. We will be tested. We will be tried. But Jesus already has the victory, and we have to remember that. So let's move on to Pergamum. And we'll start verse 12. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know that you live in a city where that great throne of Satan is located, and yet you have remained loyal to me. And you refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you by Satan's followers. And yet I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you who are like Balaam, who followed Balak, how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to worship idols by eating food, offered to idols, and by committing sexual sin. 
In the same way, you have some Nicolaitans among you, people who will follow the same teaching and commit the same sins. Repent, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And we'll stop there. So let's talk a little bit about Pergamum. So in here, he says that there were people who remained loyal, even though they were in the great, thr- they were in the city who had a great throne of Satan. They refused to deny God, even though they were seeing people being martyred. But the problem here was that they tolerated some sin among them. And the word that came out to me like crazy was compromise. And how we compromise sometimes without even realizing that we're compromising. But man, do we really step in it when we do that. So what are we allowing? What are we allowing to go on in our lives or... Um, you know, Trina mentioned some things um, about the things that we listen to, the things that we watch, the things that we allow to happen. You know, even though, ah, oh, well, that's probably not the best thing, but we don't say anything, we kind of turn our head. What are we allowing to happen? What are we tolerating and what are we compromising that is hurting our walk? So this was the thing that he wanted these people in Pergamum to realize. Um, we're going to move to the next one, and I need some of my Bible scholars. Is that Thyatira, Pastor? Is that how you say that? You don't know? <laughs> Thyatira? Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go on to the message to the church in Thyatira, and that's 18. What's, we're, we're still in chapter 2, verse 18, Revelation two eighteen. All right. This one says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are bright like flames of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do, your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She is encouraging them to worship idols, eat food offered to idols, and commit sexual sin. I gave her time to repent, but she would not turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her upon a sickbed, and she will suffer greatly with all who commit adultery with her, unless they turn away from their evil deeds. I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person. And I will give to each of you what you deserve. And I'll stop there for a moment. That one was pretty powerful. So in this church, he said that he saw their faith, their service, and their patient endurance. But what he also saw was that he he saw them permitting others to lead people astray. And if if they did not repent, they would suffer the consequences and get what they deserve. So in this one, it made me think about how, how, if or how I have permitted others to lead people astray. And what I got out of that was what we're supposed to be doing as Christians, bless you, is we're supposed to be an example. We're supposed to be an example of Jesus and his life and the life that we have because he gave it to us. And that made me think about being truthful. And 
we're not being truthful if we are permitting others to lead people astray from the Lord. And we have to have those difficult, sometimes heart-wrenching conversations with people and give them the truth so that they won't be led astray. Because one of the things that we are charged to do is that, you know, God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to be saved. And we can't do that by skirting around the truth and not being, you know, honest and letting people know what being the example that we're supposed to be by Jesus' example. Um, So let's move on to the church in Sardis. And now I'm in Revelation uh, 3, and this will be verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Sardis. This is a message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do, and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Now wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is at the point of death. Your deeds are far from right in the sight of God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly and turn to me again. Unless you do, I will come upon you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. And I'll stop there. So in Sardis, this church had a reputation for being alive, but they were really dead. Their hearts were far from God, and he again urged them to go back to what, you fir- what they had first believed. And what this made me think about was something that people a lot of times call fronting. <laughs> you may look good, but appearances can be deceiving. So I thought about how, you know, there are some people who put forth this big show of everything's great, everything's wonderful, I have this and this and this, but they're really dead, and they're empty, and they're hurting. And those things can be very dangerous because sometimes those are the people who we don't really reach out to because they look like everything's going well, everything's fine. And sometimes those are the people who really need us to reach out to them the most. So in all of these things, the church at Sardis had a reputation for having a lot of things and being very vibrant and alive, but spiritually they were dead. So let's move on to the church in Philadelphia. And now I'll be in verse, um, chapter 3, verse 7. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who was holy and true. He is the one who has the key of David. He opens doors and no one can shut them. He shuts doors and no one can open them. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can shut. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, 
I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. Look, I'm coming quickly. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. And I'll stop there. Um, verse 11. So in Philadelphia, the Lord was saying that he will open the door that no one can shut. And the people in Philadelphia, he was saying that they had little strength, but they obeyed God. They held tight to what they had been told, and they persevered. And because they persevered, he was going to protect them from a great time of testing that was going to come. And that, to me, is very comforting because I want to be protected from testing, <laughs> right? I want to be protected from all of that craziness out there. So this is what it made me think about in the spiritual realm is that protection from God. And it made me think about, you know, the angels who are moving on our behalves when we don't know it. And what has God kept us from stepping in? Where are those fences? You know, the song, Jesus Be a Fence, that kind of was playing through my head when I read that because it's like, what has God put up? What has he blocked from happening to me, to you, to all of us? And that was one of the things that I found very comforting. And I was really, I love that because I can, I think about in the spiritual realm, and I've been thinking about this more and more recently, is the, the things that we can't see and the fighting between, you know, the, the good and evil and what the Lord is always, always doing on our behalf, and we just don't even know. Um, so let's go to uh, Laodicea. This will be the last letter to the church, and I'm going to be in chapter 3, verse 14. This one says, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. I also buy white garments so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness and buy ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. I am the one who corrects and disciplines everyone I love. Be diligent and turn from your indifference. And I'll stop there. So Laodicea, they were described as being neither hot nor cold, so the Lord said that he was going to spit him out of his mouth. That made me think about how sometimes we have what we think we need, but often we're still miserable, poor, and blind. What we need to do is get what God has for us. And some of the words that stood out to me were indifference. And in being indifferent, a lot of times we fool ourselves. We fool ourselves into thinking that we do have those things that we need and we really don't. And another thing that popped into my mind when I was reading that, two words were arrogant and overconfident. And sometimes those are the types of things that can lend to us being indifferent because we don't feel like, we feel like we have what we want maybe, but maybe we don't have necessarily what God needs us to have. And in that arrogance and overconfidence, we can become indifferent because we don't see our need 
for God. And we always have a need for God. So God used these letters to show how he felt about complacency, carelessness, indifference, and compromise. These letters don't say that we won't be tempted or tested, but it does give a promise of blessing for obedience. And so there are some there are some blessings in here, and I won't read them all just for you know sake of time, but I did want to read through a couple of these because I thought that they were important because this is the whole message is that we will get the promise if we are obedient. So in um, the first one, and I'm back into Revelation 2, and I'm in verse 7 now. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Everyone who is victorious will eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. That's the blessing. In the church to Smyrna, and I'm in verse 11 now, anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be hurt by the second death. And the one in Pergamum says, and this one is in uh, verse 17, anyone who was willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Everyone who is victorious will eat of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven, and I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. And as you can continue to read on through those promises, and they're at the end of every letter to the churches, and I was just so very comforted, and I really, really like the one about the white stone, because, man, do I want to get that stone and see what God has, has written on there for me. I really, so this, and I don't know exactly what it was that God was trying to make us to see, but I do feel like that whatever it was he was trying to tell those churches back then, he's trying to tell us now. And so it made me think about, when I was reading through all these letters, and most of them, I can say I've been those letters at some point in my life. I've been each one at some point. There have been times when I've been really, really good and consistent and faithful, and there have been other times that I've fallen off. But what I want, what I want is to always be consistent and faithful. And so it just kept ringing in my head, which letter are you, which letter are you? So I actually started writing I wrote, I guess you could call it a letter. It's kind of a prayer. It's kind of just something I was writing. If you're familiar with stream of consciousness writing, I was just kind of writing whatever came into my head. And so this is what came to me. And I want you to think about when I'm reading this. And some of this may not make a whole lot of sense. I've only read through it once since I wrote it, so it may be just a bunch of gibberish. I don't know. But I do want you to think about which letter are you? Which letter do you want to be? So what I wrote was, how was it, Lord, that you were thinking of me? How is it that you still think of me, despite my failures, my mistakes, and my flaws? Thank you, Lord, just for considering me. I ask, Lord, for forgiveness. Take away any thoughts, words, or actions that aren't pleasing to you. Rid me of my pride, selfishness, and stubbornness that hinders me from receiving all of you. Thank you, Lord, for my life. 
The blessings are too great to count, some I'm not even aware of yet. Help me to be holy. Help me to be a light. Protect me when I'm in danger. Strengthen me when I'm weak. Do all of these things to overflow so I can pour out. I ask for wisdom, discernment, and a sensitive spirit. Let them see grace, forgiveness, and mercy. Help me to be unwavering, steadfast, and committed. Don't allow me to be complacent or accept compromise. I want to be full of faith, truth, and life. That is the letter that I want to be. That is my message for this evening. (laughs) 